Thank you for listening to this sermon from Renaissance Church located in Montreal, Quebec. For more information about Renaissance Church, please visit our website, renaissancemtl.com. If you would like to know more about how you can partner up to see the gospel advance in Montreal, please send us an email at renaissance.mtl at gmail.com. Um, I'm glad to be with you here today. I don't know where everyone's coming from and how your weeks have been. Um, It's been a bit of a stressful, long, busy week in our household, so I'm glad that uh, I can be here with you guys and uh, that uh, my value and my worth to God is not dependent on me, and uh, it it is solely on Jesus, so I I praise God for that. So um, anyway, I'm, I'm glad to be with you guys here today. My mic seems to be falling off my ear, so I may have to adjust that throughout the sermon, but it's good. Um, excited to see what God's Word has for us today. Uh, we're going to do a little bit of interactive time. Uh, I want to ask you guys a question to begin, all right? So my question for you today is this. Uh, what is something that you guys often get a craving for? You guys ever get like a craving for, for like food or is there like any kind of food or, or something that you just cannot live without? Um, what's, what's that craving for you? What do you guys got? Pizza. What, pizza? What did you guys got? Jesus. Uh, you're, you're definitely a pastor's kid. <laughs> wow, okay. Uh, preach my sermon for me, all right? Um, any other cravings you guys get? Pepsi, oh yeah. I'm not chocolate, yeah. Anyone else? Fried pickles. What's that? Iced coffee, yeah, for sure. That's good. That's similar to mine, iced coffee. Something, something that I crave a lot, um, especially on like a really nice hot day, is a nice bubble tea. You guys like bubble tea? I love it. Um, Dylan told me the other day about this place downtown that has like some of my favorite bubble tea. Um, my favorite kind is like, it's, uh, it's like a brown sugar one and it's creamy. And uh, I have to be really careful though because I could r- really just drink way too much of it. So I have to like make sure I get the small. In fact, I think it actually only comes in a small. Yeah, maybe. <laughs> Uh, this is this is a short side. We went there the other day with my friend, and they only the, that kind only comes in a small. And uh, so he ordered one, and he said, "Can I get a large of whatever it's called?" And they said, um, "They said no, we only do small." And he says, he says to them, he says, "Make it a big one," <laughs> as if he could just tell them to make it a big one. And they'd be like, "Oh yes, sir." Um, <laughs> So we always joke about that. Anyway, bubble tea is kind of my craving thing. Um, and so, so the other day, I, uh, I was not downtown where, this, where my favorite uh, bubble tea place is, but I was in my neighborhood. And I had this craving for bubble tea. And so uh, my wife, Melissa, and Skylar, and, and I, we went to Atwater Market because it was like the only thing that we could find that was open at the time. Um, and we got there just before it closed. And, and the guy that was, uh, he, he was inside, he was like really nice to us. He was like, he, he let us try a few different samples and just a really friendly guy, super nice to us. So I was like excited for my bubble tea, had this craving and I was just ready to get at it. 
Um, we wait a couple of minutes, we, we get our teas, and then we go and we walk to this park that's kind of close uh, by Atwater. And we sit down and I'm ready to enjoy my drink. And this was the worst bubble tea I've ever had in my life. Um, the, the, the juice or whatever, the, the drink itself, it was fine. But the tapioca balls that come in it, they, they were disgusting. They were like, I don't know if you've had them before, but they're usually like soft and chewy. And that's what kind of makes it like really enjoyable. But they were hard and crumbly. And it was not pleasant. It was, uh, yeah, it was a really horrible uh, texture, really undesirable. And I left really just feeling unsatisfied and longing for something better. Um, I don't know if you guys have ever had a similar experience. Um, but yeah, what I had was I had a craving for something and it did not satisfy my needs. And so today, um, that's a little bit of what we're talking about is, is having spiritual cravings and what it is that is going to satisfy our spiritual needs. Um, what is it that we go to to satisfy our spiritual needs and what will satisfy them? So um, if you're new here today, we are continuing in our series in the book of John. And this series we've titled, I Am... And as a subtitle, who Jesus says he is. And so in this series, we're exploring just that. We're exploring who Jesus says he is. Um, and if you've been with us from the beginning of the series, you might remember at the end of the book, in John chapter 20, we're told the purpose that John is writing this book. So in John 20, this is what John writes. It says, now Jesus did many other signs in the presence of the disciples, which are not written in this book, but these are written so that you may believe that Jesus is the Christ, the Son of God, and that by believing, you may have life in his name. All right? So in this series, we're exploring the, the claims that Jesus made about himself and what it means to have life in his name. So today, we're going to be in John chapter 7 for the day. So if you have a Bible, I would invite you to turn there. John chapter 7 is where we're going to be for the day. Um, and today, what we're exploring is the claim that Jesus is the better Moses. All right? Jesus is the better Moses. So we're going to unpack that a little bit more as we go throughout our text today. Um, this chapter is, a, is quite a long one, so usually what we do is we, we read the portion of scripture that we're preaching through, and then we talk about it. Today we're, we're going to do things a little bit differently. What we're going to do is as we, we come up to uh, uh, shorter parts of the passage, we'll read them and then unpack them and then read some more text and then unpack that instead of reading the whole text. Um, what I want to do to begin, though, is, is to begin by giving us a bit of context for today. All right. In verse 2, one of the first things we see is that this whole chapter it happens at this festival. Um, it's a Jewish festival called the Feast of Booths. Uh, your translation might say the Feast of Tabernacles. That's the same thing, same festival here. And so we, but before we get any, into everything here, I think it's helpful for us to know a little bit about what this festival was about. All right? So uh, this is a festival, the, the Feast of Booths is a festival, and it took place in Jerusalem. It was a festival that lasted about eight days long. 
Um, and what it was for, it was to commemorate when God had brought the Israelites out of, out of slavery in Egypt and had brought them into the wilderness and he had sustained them in the wilderness. So you can find that story in the book of Exodus. Um, and so there's a couple of things that this feast was to commemorate. Again, number one, it was to commemorate God's presence among them in uh, the tabernacle. So while they were there, they built the tabernacle and that was uh, where God dwelt. And two, it was to commemorate God's provision for them in the wilderness. So God's presence and God's provision. We're gonna uh, discuss the, uh, each of those a little bit. So first, it was to commemorate God's presence amongst them in the tabernacle. So after being brought out of slavery in Egypt, right, the Israelites, they lived in these little booths or tabernacles, that's what it is called. So essentially, it was kind of like this tent that they lived in. Um, fun fact here, the word tabernacle, it simply means to dwell in a tent. I don't know if you guys knew that. Um, I know some of us have, have a different understanding of what that word means. Um, but all it simply means is to dwell in a tent. Um, and so the next time you hear someone use it as like a cuss word, you can just emphatically shout back at them to dwell in a tent, right? Um, that's all that means. Uh, so anyway, during, during the time, the Israelites, they lived in these tabernacles, these tents. Um, also during that time, as we mentioned, the Israelites were given instructions to build God's tabernacle. And that was a much grander tent. It was much larger, much more detailed. Um, and it was where the presence of God was with them during their time in the wilderness. So similarly, like what we see there is God living in the tabernacle and the people of Israel also lived in these tabernacles in the wilderness. And so first this festival was to remember God's presence with them. The second thing that this festival was to commemorate was God's provision for them in the wilderness. And so uh, if you read through Exodus multiple times, what you see in this book is, uh, is the Israelites. They're in the, the wilderness and they're complaining. Um, they're complaining that they don't have enough food, they don't have enough water. And what we see each time is God provide for them. I'm gonna read you guys an example from Exodus 15. Uh, it starts in verse 22. It says, then Moses made Israel set out from the Red Sea and they went into the, the wilderness of Shur. They went three days in the wilderness and found no water. When they came to Mara, they could not drink the water of Mara because it was bitter. Therefore, it was named Mara. Uh, and the people grumbled against Moses, saying, What shall we drink? And he cried to the Lord, and the Lord showed him a log, and he threw it into the water, and the water became sweet. All right, so God provides for them food and water as they needed when they were in the wilderness. And this festival was a reminder to them of that. Um, I also read this week that uh, the, the, this festival, the Feast of Booths, it would take place around the time of the first harvest of the year. And so not only was this a reminder of how God provided for their ancestors in the past, but this is also a reminder of how he had provided for them currently. Um, and so this is what, what is being celebrated at the feast, God's presence and God's provision. So with that in mind, uh, we're gonna begin here reading our text. We're gonna start in verse one and we're gonna read the first nine verses and then we'll go from there. It says, after this, Jesus went about in Galilee. He would not go about in Judea because the Jews were seeking to kill him. 
Now the Jews' feast of booths was at hand. So his brother said to him, leave here and go to Judea, that your disciples also may see the works you are doing. For no one works in secret if he seeks to be known openly. If you do these things, show yourself to the world. For not even his brothers believed in him. Jesus said to them, my time has not yet come, but your time is always here. The world cannot hate you, but it hates me because I testify about it that its feasts are, uh, that its works are evil. You go up to the feast. I am not going up to the, this feast for my time has not yet fully come. After saying this, he remained in Galilee. So what's going on here? We see the, the people, uh, the, the Jewish people, they, they make this trip up to Jerusalem for this feast. Right from they, they would come from wherever they lived, and they they bring their food and their tents, the tents that they're going to dwell in. Right, um, they're ready to like camp out. This is kind of like a Jewish Woodstock or like Burning Man or something like that. Um, and so we we see everyone goes up to this feast, and they say to Jesus, they say, Hey, Jesus, why don't you come up and why don't you show everyone there like all the cool miracles that you're doing? Uh, And Jesus says to them, he says, no, I'm not going to go up right just yet. He says, my time is not yet come. And so they all go up without him. And if we're not careful here, we'll kind of just skim past that. And we were going to miss a lot of the irony here, right? So let's take a, a closer look here. So they are all going up to this festival and it commemorates the presence of God with them in the wilderness, right? Who is noticeably not present with them here? God, right? Jesus doesn't go. And that's the whole reason for this festival is remembering God's provision and his presence with them. And so they forgot like the one thing that matters. They forgot God, right? Uh, And they're so concerned with Jesus doing these miracles for people that they forgot the reason, the the real reason why they're celebrating here, right? I don't know if you guys have ever seen the movie Home Alone. You guys seen that movie? Yeah. This is Home Alone. You guys are like, what are you talking about? Um, what happens in, in the movie Home Alone, right? The McAllisters, they plan like this family vacation to Paris, right? And the day of the trip, they wake up super late and they scramble to get everything ready. And they're packing and they're like making sure that they have everything that they need. They're like, do we have this? Do we have this? Do we have this? They do like a head count of people and they get into the airport, they get on the plane and who do they forget? They forget Kevin McAllister, right? Oh no, I lost my mic doing that. Um, So they plan a family vacation and they forget a member of their family, right? The whole reason why you go on a family vacation is to spend time with your family and they have forgotten a member of their family. And likewise, what we're seeing here is the whole reason for the Feast of Booths was to remember that God has been with them in the wilderness. And they, they, right, they built tabernacle that, that God dwelt in. They themselves lived in these tabernacles and the feast is called the Feast of Tabernacles. This whole thing is about God dwelling with them. And Jesus says, I'm not going to the feast yet. My time has not yet come, right? And so we already what we're seeing here is that these people do not fully understand who Jesus is. 
Um, we continue on in, in John. We see that Jesus, he goes later up to this festival. Um, scripture tells us that he goes privately, though, not publicly. And then during the, the middle of the feast, Jesus, he goes to the temple and he begins to teach. And all the people, they hear it and they're really fascinated by his teachings. And they start to ask this question, who is this man? Who is, who is Jesus? Uh, so some of the people here, they're like, this man has a demon. Others say that he's the Christ. Others say he's just a good man. And some others still say that he's leading people astray, right? He's leading people astray, which if you're familiar again, this is exactly what the Israelites said of Moses after God had led them out of Egypt, right? Multiple times in the book of Exodus, the Israelites complain that Moses had led them in the wilderness to, to die. And so I think that this is not just a coincidence that John uses this wording here. He says, others say he's leading people astray. And what he's saying is, the, the people here are just like the Israelites in, in the desert. They have no faith in this prophet, right? They believe that, the, that Jesus is leading them astray and that following this prophet, following Jesus will lead them to their death. And so they cannot figure out who Jesus is. And all of this kind of comes to a head in verse 37. So this is where I'd like to spend uh, most of our remaining time together. Um, verse 37 here. So this is the, the last day of the feast. And what happens is Jesus gets up and he starts to preach again. So let's read what it says. Verse 37 says, On the last day of the feast, the great day, Jesus stood up and he cried out, if anyone thirsts, let him come to me and drink. He says, whoever believes in me, as the scripture has said, out of his heart will flow rivers of living water. Now this he said about the spirit whom those who believed in him were to receive. For as yet the spirit had not been given because Jesus was not yet glorified. Right? We remember, if we remember the context of this festival again, this festival was to remember God's presence and God's provision. Thank you. They, they were here to remember how God had provided for the Israelites in the wilderness. So while they were there, God had provided for them both bread and water. And so on the last day of the feast, Jesus gets up and he shouts, if anyone thirsts, let him come to me and drink. A couple of things to know here, right? One, what is Jesus offering here? Yeah. Is, is he saying, hey, remember when I stayed behind? Well, I was just collecting a bunch of water for everyone, right? No, he's not saying that. Jesus is not offering them literal water, but rather he's offering them spiritual life. He's saying, come to me if you are spiritually thirsty. So just like the water in the desert sustained and gave life to their ancestors, Jesus now offers real spiritual life to those who believe. Again, in, the, in verse 39, it says, now this he said about the spirit whom those who believed in him were to receive. So Jesus offers us himself, his spirit. That is what he is providing us. He's saying, he's saying if you have real spiritual thirst, come to me. I will satisfy that thirst. 
And in fact, if we look closer, not only is he saying, I will provide you enough to satisfy, he says, out of his heart will flow rivers of living water. Right? So he's saying, I'll give you more than enough. You have so much that it will be flowing out of you. That's how much I will give you. So Jesus offers an abundance of spiritual life. Second thing to note here, who is this offer for? Right? This offer is for everyone. He says this to everyone at the feast. He says, if anyone thirsts, let him come to me and drink. So God offers this spiritual life to anyone who will come and believe in him. But what is this contingent on? I'm gonna ask, I'll answer all your questions after, all right, Skylar? Um, what is this contingent on? You need to be thirsty. You, you need to come to Jesus because you want him not because you're wowed by signs and wonders, not because you're just going up to this festival because it's culturally appropriate. You must need him. You must need Jesus. If we uh, compare this to the Israelites in the desert, what were the conditions for them like? Right? Were they ideal conditions? No, they came to drink water because they needed to survive. And likewise, God's spirit is for those who will come to Jesus because they need him. They need to be sustained by him. If we look back at John, all of this, all of what Jesus is saying here, it leads to a bunch of com confusion among the Jewish people. And again, what they, they start doing is they start debating about who Jesus is. This is in verse 40. It says, when, when they heard these words, some of the people said, this really is the prophet. Others said, this is the Christ. But some says, it says, said, is the Christ to come from Galilee? Has not the scripture said that the Christ comes from the offspring of David and comes from Bethlehem, the village where David was? Verse 43, it says, so there was division among the people over him. You see, some people knew what Jesus was claiming. Right? That's why they said, this is Really, this really is the prophet. Here what they're referring to is, is what Moses said in, in Deuteronomy when he said this. He said, the Lord your God will raise up for you a prophet like me from among you, from your brothers. So there are people here who do understand, they get it. They're saying, this is the prophet who Moses was talking about. This is the Christ, the coming Messiah who is going to deliver us. And at the same time, we see clearly that some people do not get it. All right, let's pay attention here to the response of the Pharisees. This is what they, they say to some of the officers who are listening to Jesus. Um, the, the officers, they're listening and they say, no one ever spoke like this man. And, the and in verse 47, it says, the Pharisees answered them, have you also been deceived? Have any of the authorities or the Pharisees believed in him? But this crowd that does not know the law is accursed. So what they're saying here is, hey, you believe in Jesus, that's just because you don't know the law. You don't understand the scriptures. They're essentially saying, you're as dumb as these lay people who have no idea about the scriptures. How could you even believe in them? And that's what their problem is, right? They do not believe. And they will not believe because they do not need Jesus, right? That they have no spiritual thirst. And in a way, they're, they're kind of like the Israelites grumbling in the desert, right? They, they ask, have you also been deceived? In other words, they're saying, Jesus has led you astray. 
He brought you out here to die. We do not believe in him, and in fact, how dare anyone else believe in him? This man has nothing else to offer us. And again, lest we look down on the Pharisees for their disbelief, we need to remember that they were the religious people of the day, right? And so if, if you are here and you've been in church for a while, um, we need to examine our hearts as well, right? Jesus in, in his day was surrounded by religious people, and they're some of the people who did not get it. They're, they're the ones who thought they knew the scriptures. They're the ones that thought they didn't need Jesus, that they were living up to God's standards. They have no need for spiritual life that Jesus was offering. This was their disbelief. And even those who were close to Jesus didn't believe, right? If we, we look at, at uh, the brothers at the beginning, this was their same sin. They, they were looking for Jesus to perform signs. So we see in verse five, it says, for not even the brothers believed in him. And this belief is preventing them from knowing who Jesus is and the spiritual life that he offers. We see believing that Jesus did miracles isn't belief. Knowing your Bible better than everyone else isn't belief. Obeying the law, obeying God's law is not belief. Belief is coming to Jesus for spiritual life because you need him more than anything else in the world. Right? It's saying no one else can satisfy but Jesus. So I am turning, uh, I am choosing to turn from my sin and trust in Jesus. And so I want to ask you here today, is that where you're at? Do you need the presence of God in your life? Do you have a spiritual thirst? Um, because if you come to him, your sins have been nailed to the cross with him. He has paid the penalty for your unbelief. He will wipe your sin clean and give you his spirit if you come to him. Because not only is Jesus the better Moses, he is the God that was with Moses. He was the God that brought the Israelites out of slavery. He is the God that dwelt with them in the tabernacle. He is the God that gave them water in the wilderness when they were grumbling, who sustained their lives in the wilderness. And he is now offering new life for those who believe in him. He offers his spirit, God's very own presence, to dwell inside of those who trust in Jesus. And that, that life It not only spiritually sustains you, that life flows out of those who believe in him. Jesus is who this entire feast is about. It is about God's presence with his people and his provision for his people. And that is how Jesus is the better Moses. He is the God who was with the Israelites in the wilderness and he dwells in the hearts of those who believe in Jesus. Jesus is the the better Moses. Jesus, the better Moses, offers life to those who thirst for it. And so if you need spiritual life, come to Jesus and he will give you an abundance of it that will flow out of you. Let's pray. God, we thank you for your son, Jesus. Um, And we come to you today um, giving you all of our sin, all of the times when we have been in unbelief and we have sinned against you. Um, We have nothing to offer, God. And we ask that you would forgive us and we look to Jesus for that forgiveness um, because we cannot work uh, our way out of our sin. We cannot do good works uh, enough that we will earn your favor, God. Uh, 
we are solely dependent on Jesus. And God, I ask that you would give all of us here a spiritual thirst for Jesus. And that those who have that thirst would come to him and you would give all of us an abundance of spiritual life. We love you and we pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Thank you for listening to the sermon from Renaissance Church. If you have any questions about the sermon or would like to know more, please feel free to contact us by email at renaissance.mtl.gmail.com or reach out to us on social media. It's our passion to love Jesus, love each other, and love our world.